0: so tired but we're gonna try to do the more um english book more well written hopefully um reading for the horror special week two well you can listen to this anytime you want obviously there is no order it's just me reading books to you hopefully that are scary I was thinking about continuing the books from Gemma Files since she didn't recommend me any. No one else has, but I was just like, no, I should try to find different books at least. And if, last resort, in the last week, I absolutely cannot find a good book anymore, we'll go back to her book. I like it so far. I mean, I only read one story from her book, Kissing Karan, but it wasn't so bad. And if you haven't listened to it, yeah, you should listen to it. But this time I was thinking about this book. And you're gonna hear it now. It is in short stories, so we're kinda jumping in to the random chapter of my my fingerprint. All right. Three straight shots settled my nerves and put me in a philosophic frame of mind. It was a quiet neighborhood bar called Freddy's Place or Teddy's Spot or Eddie's Nest, something along those lines. And I sat with my back to the TV and thought things over. Now I had two dead men on my hands. They both knew Johnny's favorites and wore five-point stars. I wondered if Toots, capital T, Front tooth was missing like the doctor's ring. But I didn't want to know badly enough to go back and look. The stars maybe were a coincidence. It's a common design. And maybe it was just by chance that a junkie doctor and a blues piano player both knew Johnny's favorite. Capital J, capital F. Maybe... But deep down in my gut, I had a feeling that it was tied to something bigger. Something enormous. I scooped up my change off the damp bar top and went back to work for Louis Seifar. The drive out to Coney Island was a pleasant distraction. Rush hour was still 90 minutes off. And traffic moved freely along FDR Drive and through the Battery Tunnel. I rolled down my window on the shore parkway and breathed the cold sea air blowing in through the narrows. By the time I reached Cropsey Avenue, the smell of blood was gone from my nostrils. I followed West 17th Street down to Surf Avenue and parked beside a boarded-up bumper car ride. Coney Island in the off-season had the look and feel of a ghost town. The skeleton tracks of the roller coasters rose above me like metal and timber spiderwebs. But the screams were missing and the wind moaned through the struts. Lonesome as a train whistle. A few odd souls wandered about Surf Avenue looking for something to do. Sheets of newspaper blew like tumbleweed down broad, empty streets. Overhead, a pair of seagulls hovered scanning the ground for discarded scraps all along the avenue. Cotton candy stands, fun houses, games of chance were tightly shattered, shuttered like clowns without makeup. Nathan's Famous was open for business as usual and I stopped for a hot dog and a carpet cup of beer under the boldly-lettered billboard facade. The counterman looked like he'd been around since the days of Lunar Park. And I asked if he'd ever heard of a fortune teller named Madame Zora. Madame who? Zora. She was the biggest attraction back here in the 40s. Beats me but. He said, "I only had this job less than a year. Ask me something about Style and Ferry. I ran the night foods concession on the Golden Star Mother of fifty years. Go on, ask me son. Why'd you quit? Can't swim. So afraid of drowning. Didn't want to press my luck." He smiled showing me four missing teeth i stuffed the last of the hot dog emma into my face and wandered off sipping beer the bowery situated between surf avenue and the boardwalk was more of a circus midway than a street i strolled past the silent amusements and wondered what to do next the gypsy community was more clannish than all the Klu Kluxers in Georgia. And I knew I would get no help from that direction. Like work. Oh, pow the pavement until someone turns up who remembers Madame Zora and was willing to talk about it. Danny Driedan seemed like a good place to start. He was a retired Bunkle steerer who operated a rundown wax museum near the corner of 13th Street and the Bowery. I met him in 52 when he was fresh out the four-year stretch in Denimora. The feds tried to make him into a stock on a stock option swind- swindle. But he was just the fall guy for the pair of Wall Street shysters named Pevy and Moonrow. I was working for a third party who was also a victim of their grift and had a hand in cracking the case. Danny still owed me for that one. So he put me wise in when I needed some knocking down on the QT. I know, like. What is Grift and what is Q2? Sorry, this is supposed to be serious, but I seriously want to know what these mean. Let's look up. Webster Dictionary. Grift is... Is to obtain money, property, uh, illicitly, as in a confidence game. A confidence game, I've never heard that. What's (laughs) What's QT? <laughs> I don't know what QT is. Is it um an acronym or short for QT? Quiet, usually. Oh man, I've got an ad. Quiet, usually the phrase on the QT. First known news: Day eighteen eighty four. Interesting. Uh, Okay. The wax gallery was housed in a narrow one-story building sandwiched between a pizza stand and a penny arcade. Out in front, a foot-high crimson letter said, See Hall of American Presidents. 50 famous murders, Assassin of Lincoln and Garfield Dillinger in morgue, Fatty Arbuckle on trial, educational, lifelike, shocking. I don't know why I give him an accent. I mean the billboard. Um, Anna Haired Harpy, not a day older than President Grant's Widow sat in the ticket booth, playing solitaire like one of the mechanical fortune tellers in the penny arcade next door. Danny Darnin around, I asked. Out back, she cried, sneaking the jack of clothes from the bottom of the deck. He's working on a display. Why am I giving them these accents? Mind if I go in and talk to him? Still gonna cost you two bits, she said. I think they're all southern at this point. Nodding her ancient head at the cardboard placard emission twenty five cents. Ooh. I dug a quarter out my trousers and set it under the barred window and went inside. The place smelled like a backed up sewer. Large, rust-colored stains blotched on tagging cardboard ceiling. Warped wooden flooring creaked and groaned. in glass-fronted display windows along either wall. That wax mannequin stood stiffly at attention, an army of cigar 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 cigar, cigar store Indian. The Hall of American Presidents came first. I featured chief executives dressed in discards of Vanderville Costume Shop. After FDR, it was all Murder's row. I walked through a maze of mayhem. Halls Mills, Snines Gray, Brunner Hoplinton, Linton, Winnie Ruth, Jude, the lonely heart killers all were there wielding sash wreaths and meat sauce, stuffing dismembered limbs into trunks, adrift in oceans of red paint. In the back I found Delhi Drinan on his hands and knees inside a show window. He was a small man wearing a faded blue work shirt and some and pepper-wool slacks. A turned-up nose and sparse blonde mustache gave him the impression of a frightened hamster, his habit of blinking his eyes rapidly when he spoke didn't help me. I tapped on the glass and looked up at him, and he looked up at me and smiled with a mouthful of carbon tacks. He mumbled something unintelligible and put down his hammer and it slipped out through a small cross face in the back. He was working on a barber shop thing of Albert Anastasia, Lord High Executioner of Murder Incorporated. Capitalized all those letters. Two masked pointed revolvers at the sheet-draped figure in the, ta- in the chair, while the barber stood calmly in the background, waiting for another customer. Hiya, Harry, Danny Darnin sh- called cheerfully, coming up behind me where I didn't expect it. What do you think of my latest masterpiece? Looks like they all got rigor mortis, I said. Umberto Anastasia, right? Give the man a free cigar. Can't be too bad if you guessed it. Wait, was I speaking there? (laughs) I don't know (laughs) who's speaking. (sighs) Give the man a free cigar. Can't be too bad if you guessed it right off. I was over by Park yesterday, so it's fresh on my mind. This is going to be my new attraction for the season. You're a year late. The headlines are cold as a corpse. Danny blinked nervously. Hmm Barber chairs are expensive, Harry. I couldn't afford no improvements last season. Say, the hotel sure is good for business. Did you know um Arnold Rottenstein got kicked off there back twenty eight? Only it called the Park Central in them days. Come on, I got him up front. I'll show you. Some other time, Danny, I see enough of the real thing to keep me satisfied. Yeah, I guess you do that. So what, what brings you out in the neck of these woods, as if I didn't know already? You tell me, since you know all about it. Danny's eyes were going in, like, insane semaphores. That's a semaphore? I don't know beans about it," he stammered. Oh, stammered. But I I figure if Harry comes to see me, he's 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 gonna want some info. You figured it just right," I said. What can you tell me about a fortune teller named Madame Zora? She worked the midway here back in the early forties. Oh, Harry, you know I can help you there. I had a Florida real estate scam going on in them days. It was easy street for Danny Dernam back then. Should you be saying that to a detective? (laughs) I shook a cigarette from my pack and offered one to Danny who wagged his head negatively. I didn't think you could finger her for me, Danny, I said. Line up, but you've been around a while now. Tell me who the old timers are. Put me wise to someone who knows the score. Danny scratched his head to, scr- to, to, to show him he was thinking. I'll I'll do what I can. Problem is, Harry, most everyone who. Mm, Can afford it is off in Bermuda or someplace. I'd be lying on the beach myself if it wasn't up in my neck and bills. Ain't complaining after the joint. Brighton Beach looks as good as Bermuda any day. There must be someone around. You're not the only one open for business. Yeah, now that you mention it. I guess just the people to send you to. I know. There's a freak show down over in tenth street near Borba. Ordinarily most of the oddities would be working the circus this time of year, but these old people semi-retired, you might say. They don't take vacations. Going out in public is not their idea of a lot of laughs. What's the name of the place? I said asked. Walter's Congress the Wonders only is run by a gent named Hiridi. Can't miss him. He's all covered in tattoos like a roadmap. Thanks, Danny. You're a fund of valuable information. Okay, so that's the end of the chapter, but right before we end it, I wanna look at what semi fours are. Copy. It is a noun. An apparatus for visual signaling as by the position of one or more movable arms. A system of visual signaling by two flags held one in each hand. A verb. A transitive verb to convey information by or as if by semaphore. To send signals by semaphore. All right okay I kind of get it okay so let me tell you the book um I just looked up recommendations you know because I wanted to be you know maybe give you an actual good book to read hopefully so this is um a book called wow Falling Angel by William Hortzberg it is a series it's a series of henry angel number one i think it was published a while ago let me see book details first published in 1978 yes okay let's read the summary a spa (laughs) sorry A spine, why can I say this? A spellbinding novel of murder, mystery, and the occult. Falling Angel pits a tough New York private eye against the most fearsome adversary a detective ever faced. For Henry Angel, a routine missing persons case soon finds turns into a fiendish nightmare, of voodoo and black magic, of dizzy, 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 diz, 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 what? Dizzy, dizzying. Oh God, dizzying peril and violent death. Many people feel that fa- fa- final ain't Paulie... Oh, can't speak. Many people feel that Falling Angel is the greatest American supernatural horror novel of the 20th century. Where there's just like not a lot of options, or actually, I don't know. With a new Ford well, this is the 2006 version, which I'm not sure I have. By Ridley Scott, an introduction by the late. James Crimley, and a new afterword by the author, a bonus short story, plus a letter from Stephen King. The first time that a letter has ever been published in its complete form. The hardcover edition is limited to just 300 copies, which I don't have, and is signed by William Hortzberg, bound in cloth, with a dust jacket, with the original Steinlog Zansky I'm pretty sure I didn't pronounce that right. Wrap around dust jacket printed against a black black, black background with spot varnish. Okay, that's how you're going to end this summary. <laughs> okay. okay. Hey, so are you interested? Private eye detectives. The last time I ever met a detective, I felt really, it was an amazing feeling. I was doing a sting not like I work for the, um, the police or anything, but I was doing a sting for like businesses that were serving to underage um people because in New York you're, you can't smoke until twenty one and so this um these locations were serving or at least known to serve um uh uh like what was it what was it called what's the thing in cigarettes called tobacco yeah tobacco and for underage people like they like they wouldn't um check if you're 21 and so I was working with a bunch I was because I was underage they um, they reached out to a lot of um university students in my class that were not twenty one yet and we we join um health professionals who were going undercover with uh um with the police obviously to back us up um in case you know the the health professionals get caught and then they get and the people get angry at them. And um I guess this is like kind of a story time but so the first time we got um to the like health building, public health in New York, and we had a meeting about it. To say that we were going to meet up in like December or something of a certain day at a certain time here. And they were just kind of giving us a rundown on it and they called out our names and just confirming who was willing to continue on with the sting and um, and that's it and there was only one other guy there and he was the detective in charge he looked very New Jersey he wore like a uh, khaki trench coat he was he looked really the part let me tell you he was shorter like smaller but yeah and, th- and that's all they did they only gave us a rundown it was barely even an hour if not 30 minutes. And they just called our names to check us off the attendance list and confirmed that we were gonna do it. And so that's it. And then we disperse, and the day comes, and um, I go to the public health the building. And obviously, if you've ever been there in New York, it's a really tall building because all buildings in New York are tall buildings, and you ride the elevator up to whatever floor that I asked the front desk. I'm like, I'm here for this after going through the um electric scanner and stuff, the, the magnet scanner, whatever it's called, I forgot. Um they're like, oh yeah, you go on this floor. And coincidentally when I'm like I first get into the elevator, about three more people get in the ele- these two big, like really big guy like like both wide and tall big guy um police officers and that detective and you know for me the first scene the detective he sees me and says hi my name I don't even recall like ever introducing myself to him he knows me like I he was just I guess he was just paying attention and remembering every person's name. But for some reason that just felt really shocking to me. Um I was like, this is what the detective like. They pay attention. <laughs> but it's true they do. FBI and all those people pay attention. Not that they're also great, you know, because like we still should um um decrease the police fund in my opinion, but um um but it was just like amazing to see that he not only looked the part but also acted the part because he just like knew my name off the bat, never introduced myself. I'm not even sure he really saw my face. At least I didn't think so because there was a good amount of us during that first meeting. It didn't look like he was paying attention but he obviously looked up our backgrounds and I should have known that but that was just surprising to me. In any case... Please just uh supports by either following or i guess if this is gonna go on youtube anytime subscribing or just telling people about this um help me out i appreciate it but i just appreciate you listening so thank you uh, yeah as always thanks for listening